So this morning was just ripe for this stuff. Big morning. Stacy's packing for an international trip that she's on. She's going to her niece's wedding, part mission thing. She's going back to meet with some key allies and hold a couple critical meetings. Anyway, the point isn't the trip. The point is the stress in the house this morning. She discovers she's lost the earrings that she was planning on wearing. Okay, not a big deal to a man, sometimes a very big deal to a woman. I don't treat it like a big deal. I don't treat it like she's treating it. And I'm in the kitchen and she's in the bedroom on her hands and knees trying to find it in the carpet. The agreement that just came in is, you know, John, you you just suck at loving. Mm. You suck at this. You know, and and the thing was it was kind of rooted in real time data. I mean, I wasn't in the bedroom on my hands and knees too. I had been, but <laughs> right. but I needed to get on with my day and and I had a you know legitimate appointment. But the, okay, anyway. You suck at loving. And it was just so ripe for me to go, you know what? That's actually pretty much true. I, re- I really am not good at loving. I can relate. This morning, I hadn't even gotten out the door yet. And I take our kids to school in the morning. And one of them has just traditionally run late. So comes downstairs at the last second but wants to eat, but there's no time to eat and the food's cold and we're running late. And I found myself really making an agreement that this is always going to be like this. This is always going to happen. Uh, my reaction was not good on the car ride because now we've got 15 minutes to make a 25 minute drive or they're late. Yeah. And as a dad, I blow it because rather than bring insight and gentle, kind, fatherly wisdom I'm irritated, and now I'm saying things that are not kind about how the morning's going to work the next day. And within about the course of 25 minutes, I've already made an agreement on how I father, on what my kids will do, without even you know consciously trying to think about that or seeing what was happening. If those, if those things took root, that would not only affect the day, that would affect the trajectory of the week and ultimately of me as a father. Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. You're listening to Alan Arnold telling stories about this morning, John Eldridge too, making my confessions. Just to show you how common this is, we are none of us perfect. We are none of us completely Christ-like. And that is proof alone that we're prone to making agreements with our enemy, prone to letting his spin or the spin of others in and into our interpretation. But I just want to point out, if the word always or the word never is involved in the (laughs) statement, it is almost guaranteed, I'm not going to say always, (laughs) Almost guaranteed to be in agreement. It's, it's, yeah. it's all that stuff of, she never appreciates me. He never notices, you know, what I've done. They always act like this. She's always late. It will never change. Okay, those kinds of statements, those are, if always or never is involved in it, pretty much guaranteed you've got an agreement there. As we've been trying to explain in part one, those agreements will really shape things. You shall know them by their fruit. The fruit can be, it, it can steal your day. It can steal your joy mm. to, to really major stuff. It, it, it will shape your perception of yourself. 
for 50 years. It will harm your relationship with God. A story that I've told a few times uh, in different circumstances. We had a couple in our community that were not doing well in their marriage and not on a professional level, just on a personal level. Stacy offered to meet with the wife. I offered to meet with the husband. And as we were sitting over coffee one day, he says to me, you don't understand. I married the wrong person. I'm like, wow, that's a pretty strong statement. I mean, if you believe that, I could see why this marriage doesn't have a future. And he's like, well, it's true. And I said, how, how do you know that? How do you know you married the wrong person? He says, God told me. I'm wow. thinking, really? God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, told you personally you married the wrong person. I mean, I just don't buy it, right? But I'm listening. I'm listening to this story. And I said, you know, what are the chances? You, you kind of shall know them by their fruit, Jesus says. You know, the fruit of believing that's pretty devastating. You have no joy. You feel like you've made a massive mistake, and this is going to blow up the marriage. Has it occurred to you that that might have been the enemy that told you that? Just look at the fruit of it. And he just didn't want to hear it. It's just la, 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 la. You know, it's just so sad how many people just don't want to hear, I have an enemy, and Mm -hmm. he's lying to me, and I may have made an agreement with his lies, you know. But, oh, my gosh, all he had to do was break that agreement, and we may have gotten somewhere, but he refused to. And I'm sorry that it blew up the marriage. Now, it's not the only thing, but these things are super devastating, folks. They, they, can, they can have a long-term effect on your life. And so we thought by offering a two-part conversation about agreements, we'd just give you this really simple tool. It's such a basic tool. Revelation 12, the evil one is called the accuser of the brothers and sisters in Christ. So you have an accuser. That's guaranteed, Okay. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 say that all the believers around the world are undergoing his spiritual attacks, Mm. okay? So this is everybody, all right? So you've got an accuser, and this is everybody. That's biblical, right? And then Proverbs has this beautiful passage where it says, but God, you desire truth in the inmost being. God wants truth Mm. down inside us, Mm -hmm. right? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Okay, so what we're trying to do is give you a category, and the word that we use is agreement. Uh, You could call it vows. You could call it assumptions. You could call it biases, prejudices, but agreements works for us because you have made some kind of acknowledgement, like, yeah, that's true. No, that's true about me. I am... I am just an idiot, or I suck at this, or... Okay, so category of agreements. What would be helpful at this point, Al? That's good, John. So help us identify what is the process of trying to move from, okay, now I accept that I probably do have some agreements. How do I go forward from there in breaking them or naming them? Well, first off, friends, we have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that he is here to guide us into all truth because we need help. I mean, when you're under it, you know, when it's your fog, man, it's foggy. And and uh, we do need help. So I, I think asking God's help in naming and exposing the agreements is a really, really good practice. It's not something you do once in your life, but particularly when you know you're vulnerable. You know, you just got bad news, right? Right. Or, or you are in counseling and you are trying to work through some things. Jesus Show me agreements I've made here. Holy Spirit, help me. 
let's walk through some categories, friends, that are very ripe categories for agreements. Let's just start with you. What are the agreements that you have made about yourself? How about your appearance? What do you say, either internally or literally in the mirror in the morning, what do you say to yourself, dear ones, about your appearance? Or how about your intelligence, Mm. right? I'm just an idiot would Mm. be an agreement, Mm -hmm. right? How about how you're doing? Just how you're doing. How you're doing as a mom, as a dad, how you're doing at work. How you doing, right? That, That would be a category to begin to go, huh, what do I say to myself? What do I believe? What are the agreements I I may have made about how I'm doing or who I am or do I fit? And another big one, gang, is how about socially? You in your relational world. Agreements you may have made about where you fit in the family or don't fit. Yeah, I'm just the black sheep. There may be some truth to that, but that would be an agreement that would then just define the way you hear everyone's comments and the way you experience, you know, family get-togethers, et cetera. You know, I talked about last week leaving your small group or leaving a party or leaving yeah. a dinner with friends and, and you just beat yourself up because of, you know, what you said or didn't say or, you know, you, you talk too much or you didn't talk enough. What agreements might you be making about yourself in your relational world. Or what do you think people say about you or think about you behind your back? The other day, one of my kids said, here's a question. Would you rather be invisible so you could be a part of a conversation when people didn't know it, or would you rather be able to fly? And it was just one of those random questions. But I thought, I would hate to be invisible because it would scare the crud out of me to hear what people said about me when I wasn't there. Yeah. A very revealing question. Yeah, there's that beautiful scene in uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader where Lucy is in the magician's house and she's going to read the magic book and break a spell to help the duffel pods. And she actually pauses on the page that says, you know, the power to understand what your friends are saying about you. And she hears a conversation and it's very wounding. Mm -hmm. And Aslan later has to reinterpret it for her and say, oh, Lucy, you know, first off, they're just childish. And secondly, they were trying to impress each other. And that's not how they really feel, which we're going to get to this in a moment, friends. But asking Jesus his interpretation is an absolutely life-changing thing. So we're going to get to that in a second. But Alan, you're so right. You know, what you think people think about you may reveal some agreements you've already made about yourself, right? Yes, like, yes. I don't fit. I yeah. don't fit. I don't fit that group, right? Or they don't like me. Or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not welcome here, right? Or they just sort of tolerate me or whatever that may be. Okay, so that's one category, just you. Here's another big one. What about your future? What are the agreements that you might be making about your future? Alan opened, if you weren't here with us last week, you want to you jump back and, and listen to part one. But Alan opened this conversation about, you know, your view of your future was, well, God's going to come through, but man, just barely. Right. And in the nick of time. Right. And when you believe that, 
boy, you can find all kind of examples for that. But it was stealing. It steals gratitude because instead of being thankful for how God comes through, it's a scarcity mindset. And so how you see your future, yeah, I think is huge in terms of your children, yourself, your spouse, your home, your life. And it's a big one, gang. And it's a hard one. You know, is your is your future hopeful? Are things going to go well for you? It allows me to pause and say something about suffering, because as I said in Beautiful Outlaw, I just want to read a passage from it. The worst part of suffering is the damage it can do to your view of God and your relationship with him. And, and I would add, and your future. Feelings of abandonment creep in. Why did he let this happen? Anger, a loss of hope, mistrust. At the very time we need him most, we feel most compelled to pull away from Jesus or feel that he's pulled away from you. There's a popular theology out there that says a Christian can avoid suffering. And most of us have unknowingly embraced it. Simply notice your reaction when life turns on you. We're so shocked by it. But it's really a devastating heresy because suffering does come. And then what will you do? Okay, so this is very important. Here's what I wrote. Be very careful and pay attention to how you interpret your suffering. Mm. Beware of the agreements you make. This is where the enemy can really destroy us. Agreements such as God has abandoned me or it's my fault and a host of others. If you've been making these agreements, you want to break them. Okay. And, and I think the reason I bring up suffering right now, it's when we're most vulnerable to agreements. There's just no other place like suffering where we are so vulnerable to agreements. I'll never get free mm-hmm. from this particular behavior or pattern, or I'll never be loved again, or agreements about your future. And that's why I wanted to name suffering here, because you just begin to go, yeah, it's just going to be hard. I don't know, you know, like heaven, but till then, I don't know, you know, and your gifting, your calling, your place. You know, you may have made some pretty significant agreements there. Another category I'd like to bring up is agreements you may have made about God. And gang, this is tough. This is tough because as A.W. Tozier says in the foreword to the knowledge of the holy, here's what Tozier says. He, He says, our true convictions about God, our real beliefs, are buried under a rubble of doctrine Mm. and theology and creedal statements. And he says it often takes a good deal of unearthing to flesh them out. And so God will do that. He will allow things to happen in order to surface what you really think of him. Mm -hmm. And he did it last summer with me. It was such a hard story. I had a three-day solo that I was so looking forward to, and and it didn't go well. Day one, day two, day three did not go well, and I I was just so upset, and disappointment is such a difficult thing to navigate well, and it just didn't feel like I was helping. It felt like he was thwarting, you know, like, I need your help here, and he, not only was he not helping, but he was thwarting, and, or that's what it felt like, and where are you kind of statements began to come out of, well, that's really good. That's really good because that's what's down in there. Where are you? Why aren't you helping? Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. we're getting down to the good stuff. This is a tough story, but 
I'm like, Father, what are you after? And here's what he said. Your hatred of me. That was, that was a really difficult thing to hear from the living God. But what he meant by that was, over time, through suffering, through chronic disappointment, oh, friends, we make agreements against God. We make agreements against his goodness. We make agreements against his love for us, not generally in the universe, but right here, right now in this for us. And the enemy is there, and he loves nothing more than to use suffering to sow his hatred in us. Hatred of us, self-hatred, hatred of others, Mm -hmm. maybe people who have wounded us and unforgiveness, and even hatred of God in this particular area. You are not coming through. And, And, you know, very few of us are willing to admit it, but down in there is some pretty strong convictions about the goodness of God. And and agreements there. So I named you. What are agreements that you may have made in the category of you? I've named your future. Now I'm naming God. And here would be a couple. Does he speak to you? Right? Because if you make the agreement, yeah, no, God doesn't speak to me. Well, guess what? You're going to have a really hard time hearing his voice because you've already shut that door. Right? Or how about this? Is he pleased with you or is he disappointed with you? Because if you make the agreement that he's disappointed with you, oh man, mm-hmm. y- you are just going to live under that cloud of, I'm, I'm a failure, right? What about the thing we talked about earlier with Alan? God is coming through for you. <laughs> God is coming through for you. <laughs> now, what does that surface in your heart? No, he's not. Not here, not there, not in this, not now. You know, yeah. It's different for each person. It's different in seasons of our life, but... What are agreements that we may have made about God? And friends, we're bringing all this up because what we want to get to is breaking them. The reason why this is such a helpful tool is that having identified the agreement or or even having a hunch what it is, I I think I hate myself. I think I live under a lot of self-condemnation. Okay, well, just start there and just go, I renounce the agreement that I have made with God fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. self-hatred. Or I renounce the agreement that I've been making that God is not going to come through. Or I renounce the agreement that I've made that I am such an idiot. Or that I don't fit. Or Right? Okay. Right, right. So is it just that simple? Like, so somebody knows what it is and they renounce it. Could you walk us through what does a prayer for that look like? I think... It is simple, Alan. We don't want to make this super hard because it's as basic as, oh, Father, thank you for exposing this. I'm so sorry for making this agreement. And right now, I break the agreement. And then you name it. I renounce the agreement I've made that she will never change. I renounce mm-hmm. the agreement that I make that they're always going to be late. I, you know, right, right. I break that agreement in the name of Jesus. Now, because you're engaged in something that actually is going to bring a lot of breakthrough, I usually add in my prayer, and I renounce the ground that I have given my enemy in my life through this agreement. I I found that to be very helpful. So 
there's breaking agreements. Now, dear precious ones, of course, you you know, these big, deep, lifelong ones, breaking agreements is just the doorway then for healing. If it was woundedness, you know, if it was something, you know, that came in in our childhood, as Stacy wrote in Captivating, I just want to read this, your wounds brought messages with them, lots of messages. And somehow they all usually land in the same place. They had a similar theme. You're worthless. You're too much and not enough. You're a disappointment. You are repulsive. On and on they go. And because they were delivered with pain, they felt true. They pierced your heart, and they seemed true. So you accepted the messages as fact. You embraced them as the verdict on you, okay? And then what she went on to say is that these deep-seated agreements with the message of our wounds shape the way we live. Fine, if that's how it is, if that's how it is, I'm going to live my life in the following way, right? Those childhood vows are very dangerous things, okay? You must renounce them before you're entirely convinced they aren't true, okay? Because the pain is there. You must reject the message of your wounds. And here's why. It's a way of unlocking the door to Jesus. Agreements lock the door from the inside. Renouncing the agreements unlocks the door to him. And so, Alan, with these deeper ones, these bigger ones, these lifelong things, or the things that have a lot of pain with them, breaking the agreement is the first step. Mm-hmm. And then I say, oh, Jesus, come come into this pain. Jesus, come into this wound. Jesus, walk yes. with me in this. I need your love. I need your healing. I need your care. You know, then we go on to deal gently and lovingly with the memory, the emotion, the experience. Mm-hmm. But the agreement is usually in the way of the healing. Yes. Right? Right. Okay. Right. So, you know, with some of the historic ones, as we've said, you may have to break it again next week. You, you may find it helpful to break it for seven days in a row, you know, just because it's been so historic. The small ones, the quick ones, you know, this morning ones usually can get broken with one renunciation. The other category I want to talk about before we go is the category of avoiding them. It was good old Socrates who said that the unexamined life is simply not even worth living. Now, there are all kinds of reasons for that, but this is one of them. This is one of them. What we're actually assuming, Alan, that I think we better name, we're talking about self-awareness. Right. We're suggesting that a healthy level of self-awareness is a good thing. So as you drive away from that party, as you drive away from that meeting that you, you know, blew the presentation, whatever, you, you are aware. You're paying attention. You're going, okay, I know it. I know it. I feel, I feel like crap right now. I know I'm totally vulnerable. Before I just make these agreements wholesale, I'm, I'm going to be aware and not make them. I'm going to close the door before I even open it. So there is a kind of self-awareness. You know, driving down here, I, I confess, having run out of gas, that I was you know, late and flustered, and I had this thing of, I'm not looking forward to this. Well, I was just simply aware of the emotion. I, I, had, I hadn't named the agreement. I was just aware of, ugh. Right. Right? I was just aware of the emotion, and the emotion was, I'm not looking forward to this. Right. I'm not ready for this. I'm right. frazzled. I'm harassed. And I pay attention. 
pay attention, dear ones. Like, what are you feeling right now? Right? What What's right. going through your head right now? Right. And that helps you to not even make them. Because I do think, I do think that we can come to healthy places in our lives where we're not making a ton of agreements. You know, we're not perfect. We're not, we're not in the kingdom, you know, totally sanctified yet. But we're maturing. We're becoming wholehearted. We're growing with God. We're growing with our intimacy with him. And so I, I had told the story about summer in the first episode of this and how Stacy and I were, you know, packing up summer, basically. We're putting away, you know, the little baby pool toys and stuff just and getting ready for our very busy fall. And I could, I was not feeling well. So I was just aware of it. Just pay attention. Jeez, I am really melancholy right now. And instead of just going with that, I go, Jesus, come into this. Come into this. What, what's going on? And, and by being present, being present to myself, being present to the moment, being present to God, I'm able to avoid some pretty catastrophic agreements about things that I think would have depressed me for, for weeks. Right. For me, I've started doing two simple practices that, and this is in terms of avoiding future agreements, that work really well. And one is as simple as, I can think of when I'm driving home and I'm, I'm replaying the day, and thoughts will come into my mind of, boy, you blew that, or if you had only done this, or why did you say that? And my simple response now is, no, I'm not that man. I'm not that man. And it's an easy phrase to say, and it immediately, mm-hmm. I don't even allow the thought to gain traction. Yeah. So I don't go into some huge long prayer. I don't focus on it, whether it's fear or lust or whatever it is, just to say, no, that's not me. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. And the other thing is when there's a victory or when something goes really well, to just release that to God and just say, this is yours. And so if, if I gave a really good talk and everybody's you know super pumped, just right in that moment and go, God, I release this to you. I consecrate it, give it to you. And so then all of a sudden, there's no agreement that can come other than whether it's mm-hmm. good or bad, then God, I release everything, everyone to you. Yes. And I make no agreements. Yeah. I want your interpretation. And that's yeah. been helpful. Okay. So that's the key. I want your interpretation, God. Right? Yeah, right. That's what we're after, right. friends. Right. We're not creating a void here. There is a there is a category called healthy agreements. Making an agreement that you are a son or a daughter of God making an agreement that God is good, making an agreement that he will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, making an agreement with all the beautiful truths of Scripture, right? Even as I read Scripture, I, 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 do, I go, yes and amen, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I, I affirm that. I agree with that. That's true, God. Thank you. You know, there is yes. no condemnation now for those who are in Christ. Romans 8, 1, as I read that, I go, yes, Lord, thank you. That's true. So there are healthy agreements And those are with God's interpretation. So let's end with this. I was rescued from making some just full-on melancholy, depressed agreements about summer being over because I asked Jesus his interpretation. And he said it was beautiful and it was enough. Now, I wasn't feeling in the moment like it was beautiful and enough, Mm -hmm. but I let him interpret it. Lord, what is your interpretation of this? And then... 
uh, we were meeting with some friends the other night, and they were talking about some tough things going on in their lives and in their marriage. And I could feel the discouragement really coming in, just like a cloud over them. And I said, you know, why don't we just ask Jesus what his interpretation is over this time right now in your lives? Let's just let him speak Mm. some interpretation over it. He's kind, he's loving, he's there. And he was able to speak some words of, yes, this is hard, but this is the pathway to healing. You're on a good road. Letting him interpret things. So you walk away from the meeting and you think you blew it. Ask Christ, Jesus, how did that go? How am I doing? Speak to me. You think you're a disappointment to God. Ask him. Say, Father, how am I doing? I need you to speak into that. I feel really vulnerable right now, but I need your interpretation. Mm. And beginning that practice of, of letting God speak into events, emails you receive, bounce checks, you know, just whatever it is and say, oh God, quickly, I need your interpretation of this is a beautiful way to both replace the lie with the truth if you're breaking a big old agreement or of avoiding an agreement even to begin with by just saying, okay, God, I think that went terribly or I don't think they like me or I don't see any way out of this. But before I fully go there, (laughs) speak to me, interpret this. I I ask you to interpret and then give him a little space too, gang. Don't don't wait six seconds and say, well, see, he's not going to speak. I mean, Right. He may speak in six seconds, but give it some time. Let him, you know, give it 24 hours, give it 48. Let him speak into it and let him bring his interpretation. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. That's what this is all about. It's exposing these agreements so that we can get to the truth and align ourselves with the beauty and the goodness of God and be set free. We hope this two-part series on agreements has been helpful. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with Alan Arnold, John Eldridge. Many, many blessings upon you. Be kind. Be gentle. Don't go on a witch hunt. Don't try and now identify every possible agreement you've ever made in your life. But just let this be a category now. And we got a feeling that you are going to find immense relief and joy and freedom from it.